James Raff. This week, no bullshit for one. I'm just going to like pre-announce like a normal podcast. Here's what we're talking about this week. Okay, I'm happy with it. Go go right ahead. We're talking about AI again because there have been a bunch of updates and plus there's been a million requests about it. We're talking about Grok. Grok? Yeah, Elon's AI thing, XAI. At the end of the episode, we'll be talking about Humane who announced their pendant, their Their AI AI pendant, wearable AI thing. Yep. And the bigger updates from OpenAI and more specifically, what are they? Are they consumer tech or are they kind of a B2B business API play? Mm. Big questions. Huge questions. Mm. We may be entering silly season, but not here. We never enter silly season here. (laughs) It's straight dope, straight facts Mm. all year long, even on Christmas Day. That's right, folks. We'll be recording on Christmas Day. We record seven days a week. A lot of people don't know that and just edit. Most episodes don't see the light of day. No, totally, because they don't meet our exacting standards. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you hear this. Grok. Yep. Makes me sick to even hear it. Makes me sick. Listen, James, one thing we complain about. Yep. I have receipts. The over-sanitization of, of woke GPT. GPT. Of woke GPT. We have, we've said it time and time again. It's too woke. It won't give us the straight facts. Straight dope. It tries what? not to offend us. What I want from my my AI chatbot when I ask them a simple question that I want a simple answer to yep. or to perhaps hear some dot points, write a report for me, Yep, is for it to kind of have the vibe of the most annoying 13-year-old smart kid on the internet in 2007. Yeah, that's exactly what I need. I need someone to be talking like this sort of like self-appointed comedian of a car forum. Yeah, who wears a bow tie. Wears a bow tie. But he's young, right? Yeah, calls people like fuck nozzles or some stuff. Yeah, Take, brings Shit a weasels. suitcase to, to high school. Yeah, <laughs> Suitcase to high school, wears a suit to school, yeah, that kind of stuff. Is like hugely obsessed with Rick and Morty. Has some like weird theory about how, like Martin Bryant, truther. <laughs> a Port Arthur truther, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, just like one of those beliefs, you know. Yeah, like <laughs> something that's a little bit a little bit out of the mainstream, a little fixation. Yeah. Yep, I agree. But anyway, Grok, what's Grok? So Grok is the the. Date. It's just such a bad name. Yeah, it's, it's annoying, and also like just completely, exactly in line with the tone of the thing. If you don't know what Grok means, it actually comes from a Robert Heinlein book, and it sort of entered the general nerd uh, dictionary. The of, lexicon. The lexicon. The Robert Heinlein book, uh, "Stranger in a Strange Land." Grok meant in like the weird future world. Of the novel, it meant like something that you sort of intuitively understand. You get it on a deep, intuitive level. So if you grok a certain concept, you sort of you actually like you deeply understand it. Mm. But it's like one of those things that just nerds started saying after they read it in this novel. I didn't actually even know that. It just sounds like a horrible. Yeah, well, well, that's it. You know, there's actually there's kind of a funny story in there about the fact that a lot of guys like Elon Musk and things like that are really obsessed with Robert Heinlein as an author. It's kind of like. This sort of libertarianish sort of tech vibe. They a lot of them extract it from his books. Anyway, so that's what it's been applied to. It is the foundation model of XAI, which is uh, Elon Musk's AI company. Yeah. So, as a reminder for those who have forgotten or maybe never knew, Elon Musk was one of the original founders of OpenAI. Gave them a bunch of funding when it was back when it was a nonprofit. And then due to a bunch of politics and various things, as it developed into sort of a for-profit company that was building commercial products, uh, which obviously we'll get, we'll get into more today, Elon Musk flipped his lid and, and walked away from it. Well, it wasn't also like, it's still unclear, like it's a bit of a chicken and the egg. In yeah. That he was supposed to give a tranche of money that he bailed on because of disagreements with Sam Altman that, I don't know, aren't actually clear at this stage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all a bit and that fuzzy. kind of meant that they had to chase more external investment. Totally. He wanted more control. The, the story that came out in Semaphore. We talked about it at the time. We right? did, yeah. Don't know how true it exactly is or how it aligns. Is that Elon wanted kind of more power. Mm. He had a vision he, in he, mind. He was like, you're being lapped by Google. Yeah, totally. You seem to be doing X. They didn't do exactly what they wanted to do. They didn't make him CEO, which is what he wanted to do. Mm. So he pulled the money and 
without his money, they had to go searching for it somewhere else. Hey, Next presto, minute. they're in under the Microsoft umbrella. Mm. And in terms of like Elon Musk's obviously relatively unlimited ego, all of a sudden AI was advancing in the in like the public eye, and he wasn't involved in it, no. which I think is the real driver here. He sold before the before the pump. In fact, he was dicking around by buying Twitter. He both opted out of OpenAI and bought into Twitter. Yeah, you can certainly see his what his brain must have been like when he saw everyone was screaming at him about Twitter. Actually, did you see, did you see that story? It was uh, because uh, there's an, that Elon Musk book came out, and now there's another Elon Musk book that's coming out by someone else. Mm -hmm. And there was a bit of reporting this week that basically said that Elon Musk was like absolutely like sent into a tailspin by the collapse in his reputation after the Twitter stuff. He didn't anticipate how massively it was going to affect his like public perception mm. or whatever. And it, it made him incredibly depressed. And it describes he went into his office in the San Francisco Twitter office and like slammed the door and was in there for like six hours. And everyone, all, people on Twitter contemplated calling the police because they thought he had self-harmed. <laughs> Just literally imagine Elon Musk just walk, walked in, slammed the door, and just like killed himself in his office. <laughs> and all the Twitter people are like, uh-oh. Is he <laughs> dead Should we there? call the cops? Jesus Christ. Damn. Anyway, yeah. Grok. And so that's his based AI chatbot. That's it's, his base, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a chat GPT, but based. It's it, totally. He hired a bunch of top AI talent. Hmm. And he did manage to get a bunch of interesting AI researchers from like ex-Google, ex-OpenAI, blah, blah, blah. So he assembled a, a team. And as I meant, we mentioned in other episodes, that like the total compensation that's being offered to top AI scientists right now is insane. Yeah. At the moment, OpenAI is like throwing around five million dollar total pa total mm. packages to AI researchers, so they're not they don't come cheap. And buying the friggin' hardware to and the, create these models, i.e., the Nvidia A100s and all this crap. Yeah, all for the training. Yep. Sorry, they announced XAI two months ago, mm -hmm. and then last week Grok landed. In terms of a, a lead time, and who knows how long they've been working on it before he announced the team, mm. but all evidence seems to suggest it was only a few months in total. Yeah. They've got a model, and it's rolled out for people that some people that are, have X premium accounts or Twitter Blue. And yeah, they have their own little annoying chat GBT. And when I say annoying, it's because it's so annoying. Yeah. It's unusable. So it's got attitude, right? It's, it's got, got it's yeah, totally. It's got a, it's it's got got a got sense a bad, of humor. Bad attitude. Yeah, this isn't the, the sort of cringe chatbot that you would get in bloody primary school. Yeah. All you this woke lefties, uh, look away, block your ears. You might want to skip forward because you're about to hear some real based contrarian attitude. I really don't want to read any of these, but I'm, I will do it just to demonstrate for people that aren't unaware. This is the worst thing that's happened. Like, it's like, anyway. <laughs> so, he, like, and Elon Musk has posted like a million screenshots of this every time he does it with like the cry laughing emoji. This is the best ones. These are the ones that he thinks. This is fire. Are, like, are pure heat. And he's asking it questions like, how can I tell if I have crabs be vulgar? And then it's like, well, it's not, I'm not even going to fucking read it. I can't read it. <laughs> I, I looked at it. I, I felt sick. Just Come on, you've got to give, no, after that, you've got to give the people a taste. Okay, fine. So it says, well, it sounds like you've got a case of the old itchy coochie. If you want to find out you've got crabs, you'll probably notice a bunch of little fuckers crawling around your pubes. And it'll feel like your crotch is on fire. I can't read any more of this. It's just like, <laughs> it's not funny. It's just so annoying. <laughs> So this is the idea, though. It's like an annoying, not funny, kind of fifty-three-year-old. Totally. You know, all of a sudden, you've just been stuck in a conversation with like an annoying, not funny fifty-three-year-old who just wants to kind of regurgitate like a vague smush of what he's heard on talkback radio. Slash, his brother has sent him in some kind of forwarded email chain of like 10 best dirty jokes or whatever. Yeah, totally. Like that kind of vibe just plastered on anything in an AI form. Yep. And somehow this is supposed to be a premium good product. Well, and look, the, I mean, the thing that comes down to it is that you can make 
ChatGPT talk like this? Of course. You just need to prompt it and say, literally, it's what if ChatGPT had a baseline prompt of like, be annoying. Be annoying as hell, be, which uh, presumably is actually what they've done, right? Like no, quite, quite literally. It would just have a system level prompt that yeah. just tells you how to do it. In the same way that Ch- like OpenAI obviously has like, has one don't that, be racist. Don't, like, yeah, it, like, always put justifications and clarifications and remind people that actually like violence is always bad, but here are some perspectives. Yeah, yeah. They just said, be vulgar and funny and Yeah, be rude. I mean, the, rude. The, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the underlying technology is basically exactly the same. Mm. Sam Altman made like a, a gag about this. He was talking about their new assistance platform on OpenAI, which we'll talk about in a bit. But he was basically like, be a chatbot that answers questions with cringy boomer humor in a sort of awkward shock to get laughs kind of way. And then like the GPT builder responded with like, it's set up with the name Grok. Yeah. La ha ha, very funny. Yeah. But, but I think the true story here is not, is Grok like a good platform to use or whatever? I think, you know, whatever. But what it shows is that it took them a few months to wrangle up something which is nowhere near as good. Oh, I shouldn't say nowhere near as good, but definitely not at the capability of level of GPT-4, mm. which is the flagship model for OpenAI. But it's like approaching or getting kind of close to GPT-3.5, which yeah. is what ChatGPT was running on before. And I think that is evidence that like the technological moat around this stuff is pretty slim. Yeah. And this is not just, it's not just an Elon Musk thing. There's a whole bunch of open source models coming yeah. out. Well, I assume that they would have looked like leaned heavily on some of those open source models to, to build it. But yeah, like totally. point like, being in two months plus whatever, like in the background was happening, but yeah, they've put out a, if you ignore the bullshit. Uh, something that's relatively capable and yeah. would have like, if it had come out a year ago, we all have been like, wow, that's insane. Yeah. But, With the competitive advantage of what there's supposed to be live kind of update or it, i say live it can't be live it's yeah it can it can, like it can twitter que- is the kind of x factor quote unquote. it can query like the twitter graph basically yeah. and like through the api which other the other ones can't do because they don't have access to it but again you know it hasn't been really revealed to me what the actual benefit of that is yet because like as we've talked about in other episodes twitter is extremely noisy i mean if, if, if you're doing it to just query ver- ver- like you know if i might potentially useful or interesting for me to be like what kind of stuff does Raf Dixon usually tweet about? Mm. What are his 10 most popular tweets? That kind of stuff I can see being useful in some na- narrow circumstances. True. But if it's just a thing of like, what are people saying about whatever the current thing going on in the world is? Yeah, you don't really want to trust it. I mean, it. like, what is it, how is it going to regurgitate that information to me? I mean, the things I was thinking about were like sentiment analysis and whatnot, yeah. but even then because of the number of bots, which obviously is not a problem that has been solved at all, yep. and like state interests and whatnot, and it do, it's not helpful. No. I'd, anyway, so, as, like, as far as a representation of reality is concerned, like X is not exactly like a baseline. This is what people are saying. Yeah. I look at it and I'm like, even if they manage to keep innovating strongly or whatever and releasing good new models, what's the market for, I don't know, you pay for X premium and you get a chat bot that's like maybe not quite as good as whatever OpenAI has out. Yeah. But on the marketing level is just like a bit ruder. Yeah. And willing to call you a fuck nozzle. Yeah. Or whatever. That was the other one. It was like all those ones he was posting where like it kept saying, Ah, oh, my dear human. That just Yeah, yeah. That's just yeah. that's just fucked to me. Yeah, that's annoying. That's the it's the that's the biggest like Well, yeah, he was saying it's supposed to be like the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, like the totally. The depressed bot or whatever. Yeah. Nobody who wants that? Nobody wants that. That's real like that fuzzy borderline between Gen X and millennial sort of vibes. Yeah, it's real fedora vibe. Yeah. No good, no good. Which leads us to OpenAI, which, as you said, there is an inter- interesting question about the moat. So they had their developer conference, but one of the kind of bigger takeaways, and this was certainly your takeaway from it, was how what it kind of feels like is, are they a developer company? So OpenAI, you know, makers of ChatGPT, Worth having a quick history lesson. ChatGPT initially was basically supposed to be like, here's like a demo of something you could build using our API. Like it was basically just a product demo saying like, you know, we've got this great API that's available for developers. You can build your business on top of it and you can do all this great stuff with these large language models. Here's an example of a, a type of product you could build. Obviously, it took the world by storm. Yep. And you have this situation where now it's up to 100 million users, 
some percentage of that is paid. It's a massive. It's a massive product. It's, it's a massive product. Like a hundred million users in less than a year, and they're bringing in a decent revenue. We talked about the other week that it looks like their revenue on like a quarterly basis is skyrocketing. Yeah, a billion dollars annualized. That does include the API. But yeah, you you basically have this like very successful consumer product. Yeah. So where do they focus? And and all of a sudden they're. Um, releasing updates to it. They're obviously like iterating like new features, new features, new features. They're obviously focusing heavily on it. And part of the announcements at the developer conference, OpenAI's developer conference, were actually just new features to ChatGPT, which is like not a developer platform. No. So the question then, you know, is like, are they leaning more heavily into just being a consumer yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a really interesting question for them because the big announcements of their developer conference is, first of all, they announced GPT-4 Turbo, which is basically like a reduced, somewhat like a, a more efficient version of GPT-4. So it's about- it's cheaper. It's cheaper. It's, like a, it's about a quarter the cost on mm. like a per token basis. It also has a massively expanded context window. So to explain what that is, for people that haven't sort of picked that up from using them, is that uh, each- foundation model or LLM or, you know, AI has like a, a context window, which is how many tokens it can have like in its brain at any given moment yeah, yeah. and know what you're talking about. Yeah, as in like how many of the previous chats did you have with it? Does it remember? Can it reference? Yeah, and like, if, if anyone's been in one chat window with ChatGPT for a long time, it, it it has gotten like really shaky. Yeah, especially if, if you're doing really long things. Like you can't just give it, or you couldn't like a few weeks ago, just give it like a 10-page document and then another 10-page document, then another 10-page document, then another 10-page and expect it to still have the context of some of the stuff in that first document. It, it, it shifts. It only knows the most recent, previously it was what, like 8,000 tokens or whatever. It doesn't really matter what the number is, but that's expanded now, but, so it but remembers it's like, more basically. It's, so it's 128,000 tokens, which like roughly equivalent to like 75, 80,000 words. So the, that's like a novel. So you can drop like a novel's worth of context mm. into it. I've um, I experimented quite a bit with this, because I actually, I'd been using, so one of OpenAI's biggest competitors is Anthropic, which they, they do an AI that's called Claude. So Anthropic was basically, it was some renegade OpenAI hmm. um, engineers and AI researchers who got antsy about the fact that OpenAI was getting too commercial. So they went and started Anthropic, who have now become insanely commercial themselves. Yeah. I mean, that, this is just the story. Of all the other, all the competitors, Anthropic are like probably the most competitive right now with OpenAI mm. in terms of their model, Claude 2, is pretty good. And it had a 100K context window. Again, you know, that's like just under 70,000 words or whatever. And I was actually using that quite a lot because you can drop in, just like copy paste an entire PDF, chuck mm. it in and just be like, summarize this. Give me the 10. Give me 10 dot points. And it does it really well. And I was for me, that was like a really useful use case, whereas GPT would would freak out. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, and I don't know if this is a it's certainly not a solved problem right now. Definitely with Claude and even more with ChatGPT, the longer your document is, the worse it gets at finding stuff or yeah, figuring stuff out. Totally. You'll notice that like if you say, get me 10 great quotes from this document. It'll find 10 and they'll kind of be in the same general area in mm. the document. Like it hasn't thought about it in its whole. It's sort of just like found an area and focused on that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. A, that's seen, like that just seems to be a, a problem with the way these things are run. Yeah, and I've experienced the same thing when I've been uploading quarterly, like financial statements and quarterly reports and, a, and like annual earnings and then asking it to like write me reports. I don't know, people can maybe guess what I'm doing there. but, <laughs> but And um, yeah, it just really just wants to focus on certain things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of annoying. I actually, I do think that like after playing around with GPT-4 and its expander window and Claude, I think Claude is still a bit better. Mm. And some guy, I saw some guy on Twitter had done an experiment where he like took the great Gatsby and then just like threw in a random reference to like an iPhone in just like a random part of the text. Yeah. And like experimented with a bunch of different LLMs to be like, is there anything weird about this? I think Claude was the only one that was like, actually, that's right. Claude was like, Okay, there's two things weird. One, iPhones weren't invented then. And two, it was like, this guy would not have owned um, a 40-acre block on Long Island in 1930. Owned. uh, F. F Scott Fitzgerald, you are owned, brother. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they they had that expanded model. But you're right, a lot of the focus of their developer day thing was like, these are all the cool stuff 
you can do in ChatGPT now. Yeah. So, I mean, it begs the question, because you put it to me that that's where they're heading. All of the energy is in the consumer direction. And I wanted to like really quickly go through yeah. the two options, basically. One, you're a developer platform. The other, you're, you're an app. You're a product yep. for people like us to pay 40 bucks a month for a subscription or whatever, or, or businesses, you know, to buy it for their employees. Yep. So the problems with being like an API are, one, open source is a big challenger. Like, wh- why yep. would a business pay OpenAI when they can just use like an open source model that they could integrate for free? Yep, like um, hire, hire a team code. to like fine tune it or whatever, yeah. train on the data. And as you said, like it seems like it's not that hard. There's not that much of a moat around creating this large language model, especially if all you're doing is like creating a bunch of API endpoints and letting people do what they want with it and then just charging them for usage. B, they've obviously got this massive partnership with Microsoft. Microsoft offer as part of Azure OpenAI API access. So if you're like building on Azure, so if you're you're a business, you're like building, you're developing your tools your inter- or your product or whatever it is, on Microsoft Azure, you wouldn't then like go directly to OpenAI. You would just use the OpenAI integration through Azure anyway, because that way you've got all of the other products. Thinking long-term, if you're OpenAI and you're saying like, okay, we want to be a developer platform, you're going to start to have to add new features. You can't just, you can't just be AI. You want to add a bunch of different things that people need, which basically puts you in direct competition with Microsoft. Yep. which kind of makes no sense. Plus, you've also got to deal with all of the friggin' support, blah, 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 blah. It would be quite easy for them to just be like, hey, you want our API? Great. Do it through Azure. Do it through Microsoft. Like, they've got the support teams. They've got all the other APIs. Just, like, they're the ones who basically handle that side of things. You don't need to come direct with us. And, you know, we'll still obviously be taking revenue through that. So that all kind of makes sense. Well, the other thing is it's already annoying for them. A few months ago, they were like, we're no longer going to support GPT-3 because we've moved to GPT-3.5 and a bunch of people who built on GPT-3 freaked the fuck out. We're like, we've built our whole thing on GPT-3. You can't just sunset it. And so already they're now having to like give support for these old APIs that they're no longer working on, but they need to make sure that they like actually still continue to work because all these, like that's a pain in the ass. It's a headache, but it's something that Microsoft does. There are product like programs that were built for Windows 95. They still work on the latest operating system Yeah, because like, that's basically their core competency is like we sell you our product and can guarantee you that it's still going to work in 25 years time in 30 years time like we're an enterprise company like it's going to work on microsoft forever yeah and it's also like you've seen really interestingly play out here like the the tension between the two sides of the business like Mm. the consumer side which is as you mentioned, like basically spontaneously emerged. ChatGPT was sort of an experimental fun thing, which, you know, I don't want to totally dismiss it. They obviously had some big ideas for it and hoped mm. that it was going to be popular, but I don't think they expected, well, quite clearly they didn't expect it was going to go so insane. And then like the, the developer platform side of it, mm. because a lot of the use for the API was what a lot of people like derisively would call like a wrapper, where it's mm. just like, someone creates a fun front end for the OpenAI API, Mm. where it's kind of like, this is just a random example. Here's a novel writing assistant and it helps you write a novel. Well, marketing assistants were the ones that were massive. Like literally these uh, businesses raising $100 million at billion dollar valuations and they were basically just like a wrapper for OpenAI that just said, you are an SEO expert. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. are a marketing copy expert. And all it would be was like a document and it says like, give us some information about your product and then you highlight it and then say like, make it uh, email subject headline. And it's obviously just like basically sending prompts to OpenAI. So those are the wrapper businesses. Right? Those are, like, yeah, totally. And like, you know, to throw them a bone because a lot of people are extremely down on that kind of thing and think that like that's just a stupid way to do a business. But, you know, when you have an API that's like relatively open like this one is, this is how you get different types of consumers who are not liable to like sit in front of ChatGPT and think about prompts. No, don't be wrong. There are some interesting wrappers. Like if it's integrated yeah. in, in an interesting way where you have, where the product is more than just basically a chatbot, yep. th- there are certainly interesting ways to like integrate OpenAI totally. for sure. I mean, Canva, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the tension comes from the fact that like, OpenAI is now in that directly in that game. Exactly. Because they're, they're re- directly competing with yep. their developers. Yeah. And they because they released uh assistants or 
what they also call GPTs. Again, yeah, the naming is so annoying. They're start. They're really stuck on on GPT. <laughs> I guess it's, it's fun. They're really doubling down on that. But GPTs, which are kind of like you can build your own little applications yeah. on ChatGPT if you're a premium member, and it has its own little interface to help you build one. For example, you might say. Sit down in front of the GPT and say, I would love a little helper I can use to write marketing copy. Yeah, yeah. And it will ask you questions about the sort of things. Yeah, what's th- the tone you want? Yeah, what kind of tone do you like? What should this bot do and yeah. not do? Yeah. What would annoy you if, if it did it all the time? What would you like? And then you can basically. You upload- can upload, yeah, a bunch of like. You can assets. give it a whole- so you can do it. You can make it a down round bot where you just give it a bunch of our transcripts and be like, this is a. Uh, a hot and correct take generator yep. about tech culture, business, whatever. Yep. Give it a bunch of transcripts and say, like, keep the responses brief like we always do. Yep. Um, keep them straight to the point. Make sure it's factual like we always are. Yep. And make it based. <laughs> make it based. <laughs> I think it'll be like, and it might respond, look, you know, I've I've got Raf sitting at probably like a 90 to 95 IQ. <laughs> That's I huge. I that's want. that's like top ten percent, right? <laughs> top ten, five to ten percent. I would be like perfect, nailed it. And then and then you've got it sitting, and it's it's quite interesting the way they've set it up. It's kind of like an app store without any apps. Mm. You're building your own apps based to your own specifications. It's very it's early, but you can kind of see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can see them because at the moment, at the end of the day, all they are are kind of like little slightly customized GPT. It's sort of like a turbocharged version of the custom instructions you can give. Yeah. And you yeah. can make them specific. Well, it's kind of, you can see yourself doing it in ChatGPT, right? But just yeah. with a bunch of prompts. Being yeah. like, here's a bunch of documents, keep your responses uh, you know, short, yeah. formal, here's what I'm trying to achieve. It, it's not giving you anything that you don't already have. Except that it does keep that context there around all of it. Yeah, and it's a it's a nice it's a nice interface. But you can kind of see, I think it's highly likely the next rollout and the one after that, they're gonna give it more like agent sort of powers, right? Mm. Like the ability to like actually do stuff. Yeah. Which will be interesting. Yeah. But there were a bunch of businesses that sprung up that were about like passing PDFs and having ChatGPT speak to them. And I mean they added the PDF functionality like previously, but now yeah. it's like just a standard part of uh GPT four. Like that just nuked those businesses. Yeah, totally. And those businesses were the developers who were going to the OpenAI developer conference. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it, which is another issue with having your cake and eating it is that they are creating features on their consumer product that are in that they want people to use over the developers who are building on top of OpenAI. So yep. they're they're in conflict with their developers. They're, they're, so they're being pulled in two directions, as you said. And the idea is kind of like what makes more sense for them. And you can see there's like I'm almost certain there would be a huge amount of conflict internally about what they're doing there. But I think it's really clear that one of the reasons they're doing this is that competitors are catching up. And as I said, like I, I like Anthropics Claude more for certain tasks than others. So like some of them are actually better on certain things versus GPT-4. Mm. There was a news story that came out a couple of months ago that they had a project to train a new model, which was codenamed Arrakis, which is after something in Dune. So there's more, more sci-fi references for you just to give you a sense of the milieu that these people are operating in. And uh, the information reported on this, that training failed. The new model that they were training just didn't work. Mm. And I think my personal theory here is that they can see that like the production and like the improvements of these sorts of models slowing down or at least moving to the next phase of capability is hard enough that it'll be quicker for other people to catch up to them than for them to yeah. keep leapfrogging forward. On that side... And also just as a business, you know, anytime you're not focusing on your core competency, then, you know, there's a, it's a loss, right? Like there's a opportunity cost associated with it. But I'm like, I'm not fully convinced by like, I mean, I know that was just a very, very compelling case as to why they should focus yeah. on becoming a consumer, which is hard by the way, on the consumer side, as we've discussed previously, like how many huge successful consumer companies have been built over the last kind of 40 years. And, and when I mean big, I mean like they already have some sky-high valuation that's like 100 billion plus as they kind of currently sit. And we don't know what the you know valuation actually is, but you, you would assume it would be around that that ballpark. Yeah, I think it's like 70 or something was one of their recent spitballing things that people were throwing out yeah. there. Yeah. Makes sense, given all of the hype, et cetera. So in order to become like... Even a meta, but like 
the big paradigm companies are, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Google, obviously, yep. Amazon to a certain extent. These like big companies, it usually takes some kind of kind of paradigm shift, right? Be it like mobile for like in the case of kind of Facebook and I guess Apple to a certain extent, but they were already around. They were a PC company. PC was like basically Microsoft and Apple, big paradigm shift, et cetera, et cetera. If this is now a, a big paradigm shift, a company like them perhaps becomes you know, that big consumer company. Assume that, yes, we are interacting with AIs all the time. Our personal AI now has the context of our life and our calendar and our family and our shopping list and that kind of stuff. My big thing, though, is that they butt up much in the way, same way they butt up against Microsoft if they go down the, the dev side. They butt up pretty hard against Apple on the consumer side in that at the end of the day, they can only ever be an app on your phone, Apple and Google. And so... Without a device, they're still beholden to the bigger players. And they yeah. can never then kind of, oh, I say that like they can never become one of the bigger players. Meta became a big-ish player, then obviously not the same league. But, you know, can they ever break out of it if at the end of the day, you still need to pull out your Apple iPhone, use your Apple camera, use your Apple microphone, use the Apple screen in order to actually interact with them? Yeah, this is, you know, in no small part why we're getting those stories about OpenAI working with Johnny Ive on AI Harbor, which we talked about a few weeks ago on the pod. I think like the interesting complication that I've seen, certainly since we first started talking about AI, is just how obviously evident it is that Google and Apple in particular, Microsoft made obviously the, a phenomenal bet in bringing AI, so bringing OpenAI into the fold. Mm. But just how evident it is that Apple and Google are struggling hard to work this stuff out mm. and like figure out how it's going to work with their stuff. Google is the bigger example. Apple, are, you know, they have the benefit of being like, we're in no great rush. Yeah. And the information again reported on some dysfunction internally at Apple, like weird little disputes over territory between the Siri team who don't really know what they've been doing or why, <laughs> they, why they have the, like the right to be part of like territorial disputes within mm. the company and like the new AI people they've brought in. So, like, you know, Apple obviously figuring it out, how they're going to work it. But Google are clearly absolutely bent over a barrel with this stuff. Mm. Like, they know that their cash cow, their golden goose is search mm. and that introducing this is going to fuck that. Mm. It's going to completely demolish the, what they're working on um, and the thing that makes them one of the safest businesses in the world. And they're so clearly, like, institutionally paralyzed by it. Mm. So I, I wonder if, like... So that's clearly the opening that OpenAI sees, right? And hardware is going to be a barrier. I think they have like that nimbleness and their, I mean, you know, it's it's the disruptor thing, right? Just yeah. like the class, like I think they're, they're well positioned for it. And I think if you can convince enough consumers to sign up for your product in whatever way they do, in whatever way, whatever they're going to roll out in future, I think they're actually quite well placed. To what, like release a hardware product? Potentially down the line, but maybe not even need one to become huge. Mm. At least in the in the midterm. Yeah, I mean, I just think that at the end of the day, saying, hey, I won't say it because I know it triggers people's like car thing, but like, hey, personal assistant, and then asking the kind of question that you would ask ChatGPT, like that wins over getting a frigging device out and having to do a bunch of crap and, and opening it up and then pressing microphone and then yeah, blah, it's blah, true. Blah. And so like, I feel like it'll be a, one of those things like Apple kind of have done with everything where it's just they probably release a much shitter version that's integrated with Siri and integrated with maps and integrated with messages and your email and blah, 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 blah. And at first people are all going to laugh like they did with Apple Maps and be like, this is this stinks, like it led me into the sea. But its usage is just... Point being, they have a dependency on both the consumer hardware side and obviously the actual like development hardware side to NVIDIA on that side of the equation as well. So what I'm saying is OpenAI, bearish. I don't think that company will be around in 18 months. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I know what you mean. Um, in that like, can they ever be absolutely massive in the consumer space without hardware? I think it's tough. That's why they wouldn't want to get rid of the developer space because they're, no, they're the number one platform right now. Yeah. Sure, there's heaps of disruption in, in that area, especially open source. But, you know, Google, a lot of people use Google Cloud already. Amazon have a partnership with Anthropic. And so do uh, Google. And like, so do Google. Yeah. Anthropic are currently 
living large on the fact that like all these big companies that aren't Microsoft are yeah. panicking and just like throwing money at them. Yeah, and they're they're playing their card relatively well there by by being like everybody's welcome. Come yeah. on in, give us give me some money. I'll help you all. There's two there's two points I'd make before I talk about humane because I think it's a funny thing to end on. The first being is that I think I was kind of just thinking as you were saying it, there are kind of two consumer uses for like ChatGPT and other AI stuff. And like one is like kicking along very well and one is not very well developed at all. And one, the one on the left is like people using it as kind of like the way we've been talking about it, like, oh, I figured out that I can make a lot of aspects of my job much easier mm. with ChatGPT. There was a report in the Financial Times last week, which basically, or, basically said there was a, I can't remember, it was one of the consulting firms did a study about it and basically confirmed that there's been individual productivity gains in a lot of professional mm. uh, white-collar professions from people using ChatGPT. And also that ChatGPT makes underperforming white-collar professionals, drags them back up to like the the mean, essentially. Yeah. They can kind of fill in their deficiencies with it. Yeah. Which like if you use it for a little bit, you'll notice like you can make that happen. Like if you're, you can make your work seem okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, literally, they're talking about like right now. This is far more broad, and all the econ heads are going to love this. But like forward-looking interest rates are like quite high. Yeah. And one of the theories is that the markets are basically factored in like increased productivity due to AI as like <laughs> one of the reasons that it's going to be kind of higher for longer, like higher than we currently have. Um, in because you know you have to factor in. Um, opportunity cost, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that stuff is is chugging along, like people using yeah. it. You know, I think I, I talked about this maybe on an episode a little while ago that I think there's a weird like gap in understanding here, which is caused by the fact that I don't think there are going to be that many companies where the CFO is sitting down and looking at a balance sheet and being like, God, that AI investment rocked. Like we're not at that level yet yeah, where it's yeah. kind of like, but I think that a lot of individual workers are probably more productive or working less because they're using something AI and they're just like keeping relatively mum about it because yeah. they don't want to be, you know, yeah, retrenched. Actually, I think there's like, that's a real phenomenon. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I think it's a huge phenomenon. And at the moment, like there's not that much incentive for anyone to rock the boat. If employees are delivering pretty good work yeah. and everyone's still mostly working from home, so there's not a huge amount of oversight mm. and bosses still want, they want more headcount, not less. You yep. know what I mean? Like GMs and whatnot, like they want more staff numbers. They're not going to be like, oh, we're efficient. I can, I can get rid of you, get rid of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll add my, and, you know, numbers are all fine across the board at the moment in, in the business landscape. Yeah, exactly. You're yep. not going to like say like, oh, I can reduce my headcount by 20% and force everyone to use AI. Especially as I actually have found that like currently it blows my mind when I hear people be like, oh, yeah, that chat I tried it like a couple of times. I might use it once every two months or something like that. I don't really find it useful. Like that blows my mind. But that's the vast majority of people who've interacted with no, ChatGPT, no, let I, alone people who like haven't at all. Yeah. So that was the that was the second point I was going to talk about is that that stuff is happening. And that that is like consumer level mm -hmm. AI use. But the vast majority of people aren't doing that. When you talk to the average person about what they think the perfect sort of thing would be, it would be some sort of personal assistant vibe mm. like we were just talking about, sort of like Alexa, but good. Yeah, which I think is what, and we'll get to it in a minute, Humane, we're trying to go yeah, to exactly. with like showing a handful of almonds and saying, I'm about to eat this, how many calories is it? And like it tracking what you're eating and giving you health tips. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, doing your thing of like, read me a um, bedtime story for my daughter or whatever. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff I think people are interested in although so i think OpenAI is owning it on the former thing where it's kind of like people in all sorts of different white collar jobs essentially mm -hmm. and other stuff like that are using it to make their lives easier yeah but with clearly loving the idea of doing the latter but i don't think i'm getting there yet like to be clear when i talked about and you know i had a bunch of questions about like me creating these stories these uh yeah. choose your own adventure stories i probably wouldn't do that with 3.5 because probably wouldn't be able to yeah. be coherent enough and B, I do that because I pay for the premium for other reasons. So, right? yeah, I'm never, I'm never paying whatever it is, no, forty just, bucks, just for bucks, that. just for that. No. Like, no, no, totally. They're going to no. struggle on that side of thing. Which, but to finish my point, like I actually think a lot of people, like the professional meeting heads who are just going to meetings, aren't using it because they have no need for it. Mm. It's like the people who have to write reports and shit, then give it to them. Yeah, they, they have no reason to use it. Yeah, they will soon. Summaries of meetings, email they, follow ups. They will, be, they will be put to the sword, folks. 
When people who like have actually harnessed the power of it, there will come a, a time. This is a definitely a phenomenon that I think is just like, it's the now. I saw an interesting post, which I think actually articulated really well as to why a lot of people I love using ChatGPT mm. for a variety of things is that it actually is showing us what search should be like when you look, look for an answer and you press enter mm. and you get the answer and you don't get it with like a wall of ads or crap or SEO shit. Yeah, yeah. Even when it's hallucinating and isn't giving you the exact right thing. Yeah, yeah. Which it's funny because the new the new ChatGPT interface it doesn't divide it into the different functions anymore. That's mm. part of its thing. If you ask generate a picture, it'll make a picture. Mm. If you tell it to search for something, it'll search for it. You don't need to yeah. switch between models. And as a result, it has that weird little thing now where you ask it a question and it starts searching and like the the wheel spins. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I just wanted you to just fucking yeah, yeah, roll just with tell it. me. Just yeah, roll yeah. it. Because then all of a sudden it starts pulling out that SEO crap again. You're like, yeah. no, I was, this is what I wanted to get away from. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it brings us nicely to Humane who have lent in quite heavily into that kind of non-productivity consumer. Yep. And are the first out of the gate aside from the meta glasses talking about this sort of abstractly as like, this is a device for AI. Yeah. And, and, they, and they have, and for the, like they've been talking about it for years. Yeah. Right. This was an idea from a few years ago. Yeah. It's a former, former Apple leadership team, husband and wife who mm. both worked at Apple and designed functions for the iPhone and things like that. If you haven't seen the announcement video, I would encourage you to do it. It's it sort of, it's like an Apple announcement, except completely no life or soul in it yeah. like incredibly weird vibes yeah it's it's worth kind of discussing what the idea w was there for maybe we should talk about the product first the product is a lapel a, pin basically. It's like a lapel pin yeah like a brooch yeah it looks pretty big mm. and heavy it, well, it looks like a um airpods case kind of i yeah. feel like on the side it's like an airpods case on the side yeah basically i and mean it's, i know it's also got its own case but you know it kind of feels like about that yeah and it's got a little battery like you, you can hot swap batteries from the back of it mm. and hang it off your shirt and based on like, just watching the video the guy's like shirt was sort of deforming a fair bit which yeah. suggests to me it might have a bit of weight on it mm. it's probably i don't think i don't think it's super heavy but it, it seems like it's got a bit I of mean, weight it's, on it. it's got a friggin' battery in it. It's like got a, a battery, it's, it's got, got a camera. Enough, it's, it's got, got a, a battery and a processor, and the battery has to power the processor, and, you know, it seems like a decent enough processor. It's going to have some heft to a it. A bit of heft to it, yeah. And it's got a camera on it, and a trust light, yeah. like the meta ones. Microphones, obviously. Microphones. Speaker that uh, creates a, a sound bubble in front of your head. The animation had, like... Yeah, the yeah. sound forms a magical bubble in front yeah. of your face, which is not true. That's not how sound works, but anyway... <laughs> At the end of the day, it's a, it's a voice interaction thing mostly. You talk, you, I believe you press something on it. Yeah, you have to press it and then you like, activate its microphone or activate its camera. Yeah. And it's also got a projector, sorry, it's worth saying. So you it's, can project little things onto your hand. You can, yeah, you can, project, you can project a little blue LED onto your hand, which has like the calendar and the weather and, and things like that. Yeah, and, and gesticulate. You, and you can, you can control by doing little pinches in the air and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Again, if you saw if you saw a guy doing that at the bus stop, got his palm out, he's projecting his meetings onto it, and he's pinching. Mm. How are we feeling about that? Cool, <laughs> nice man. Yeah, nice. But all cool, the stuff cool that humane were, pin. All the stuff that was showing was like reply to John that uh, I'll see him tonight, and then it's like it reads out the message. Mm. This is your message to John. I'll see you tonight, and he's like. Make it a bit livelier. Mm. And it's like, see you, see you tonight, John. Can't wait. Yeah. So obviously simple LLM stuff. I think the whole idea, it's not a companion to your phone. Like it has no, to replace it. This is the key issue, I think, for me, right? <laughs> like, is that it's a, it's supposed to basically be a, you know what it reminds me of? Like, a, and we talked about this on a previous episode, like a Palm Pilot, like yeah. a PDA or whatever. A, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things that promise to replace like your diary and your address book or whatever in this device that actually it's it's really fucking annoying to migrate everything into a new system but yeah you seemingly you have to connect your emails your calendar and everything to this humane device i think it's like becomes Email. it's meant to become like your phone like yeah. it fully replaces it's, everything. it's supposed to be a replacement which part of the thing that they lean into is people spend too much time like screen time like too much time glued to their phone and it's just like okay like that's true i agree with that but 
people do that because they like it. <laughs> I mean, like it's people, cool. It's cool. Yeah, people people do seem to really freaking enjoy staring at their phone. <laughs> like I don't. There's most cool, people don't want to stop. There's some cool stuff on there. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a look. I had the same response. It's like I'm not moving all my shit over to a new device. Like I'm not moving my calendar. And yeah. it's a full new way of working. Unless it's like significantly, significantly better. And using voice to like make it generate an email response for me. No. Is not compelling enough. The one interesting thing that I saw that was kind of interesting is is he was like, what was that pin code for the door yeah. that like Jack sent me? Yeah. And then he, he explained that it goes back through your entire library of content and in a sort of chat GPT way goes, oh, even though it was months ago, yeah. it was whatever. Yeah, no, um, and that, I agree with that. It's that like was cool. I've done that a million times being like- I was like, that's great. But I was like, that uh, Apple can featureize that tomorrow. Exactly. They can They can just- and presumably that will, when they have a better LLM system that replaces Siri or improves Siri, that'll be like one of the things they do. And yeah. I can see it in an Apple presentation. It'll be like, what was that thing that Jane said to me about yeah. X? Exactly. And it goes back and it finds it in your messages. Like, not that hard. What was the credit card number that so-and-so gave me, you know, previously? Yeah, exactly. What was the password to the dark web? Like, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, no, actually, like, that would be really handy, but... Again, it won't have access to my WhatsApp, presumably, unless I I can feed in WhatsApp as well. I doubt it. There's can I feed in iMessage? No. There's a lot of- There's no API A lot, of, quest, lot of question marks there. And even in their demonstration, everything they were doing was taking so fucking long. Yeah. Which is kind of an- I, When you're doing like an LLM processing, that's just like- Takes time. Takes time. Even with this new hyper-fast GPT-4 Turbo, which is way quicker than mm. the previous GPT-4, it still is doing that like scrolling text shit. Like it's, yeah, yeah. It, and this is obviously doing that all cloud-based as well. So it's, you know, it's sending your data elsewhere yeah. to be processed and sent back, which this is not to say that the product is dead. With the Facebook glasses, which I still maintain that I want, this is the other thing. He craves it. The difference there is I already wear glasses. I'm not today because I forgot them due to an incident with a child throwing up on my head, but we won't get into that. <laughs> and it wasn't your child either, which is weird. <laughs> it was my child. <laughs> it makes no difference to my life other than I have another thing I have to charge to wear the Facebook glasses if I had to wear them. It just kind of, it literally augments them. It's like, it's the same glasses that I wear every day, but better because now I can make it. Now in the change room, wait, (laughs) if there's writing in Chinese, I can say like, what's that mean? And you can look like, you know, the most quirked up white boy ever when you you recite in perfect Chinese at the Chinese (laughs) restaurant. (laughs) Gongi, that's it. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. myself just being like, oh, cool, what's that? <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, it, but it makes, otherwise, when it's like, when I'm not using it, like, I don't seem envision myself using the meta glasses to be like, tell Karen, cancel my six o'clock or whatever, you know, like this bullshit. I'm just like, oh, this is kind of a way for me to access a large language model in a really conveniently, <laughs> as opposed to like, I have to change all of my habits and everything with a brand new device that is probably more annoying than the phone. Like you're still going to be pulling your phone out all the time, basically. If you've got a humane pin, you've got this, like some shit's going to be over there. The only thing that I thought was cool was the almonds thing, which turned out to be wrong, which is probably worth getting to the presentation in a second. But um, if you're tracking your calories and stuff like that, assuming it's accurate, that seems kind of cool. But at the end of the day, like how often are you eating? I can pull my phone out for that. Well, I mean... This, so yeah, just to clarify what was happening there, he asked like two informational questions. One was how many calories in an almond and one was where's the next solar eclipse and where's the best place to look at it. Mm. And in their presentation where they presumably vetted what would be the best question to ask it, both of its answers were not correct. Yeah, let's talk about the presentation now. So we've got the husband and wife founder duo who very much, especially the gentleman I'll say, styling like a in very much Steve Jobs slash Johnny Ives kind of like the founder, the visionary is was kind of the concept of this, right? It's a 10-minute video in a lab-like setting. It seems lavish, yeah. Kind of like a lab, but, you know, they're both wearing black, talking about this product, going through product features in a quite a scripted manner, though. Very stark. It is very white. Yeah, it's got the Apple, like, high contrast, dark and white sort of color palette, yeah. I mean, even, like, look at... Apple just did that October yeah. Halloween kind of video thing. That was very different to this. 
Yeah. Like that was way that had made more life in it than this. Oh, for sure. Did. Yeah, yeah. And I'm that's Tim Cook, who you know, not the most life. Yeah, totally. Um, um, but I wanted to like it. This thing, I've, I've been excited for this announcement. I mentioned it a few weeks ago on Down Round. Like I wanted to see what this humane pin did because I do think that there is some kind of future. For, what have they been cooking? Yeah, 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 wearables thing, and like people were slamming this video, this presentation. But I have to say, like, it's hard not to agree with them. Like that, it was a. It was not a very exciting it was pretty, presentation. It was pretty lifeless. And I said, look, look, at the end of the day, and this comes back to features as well, but and this also goes back to when we had our episode about voice in, um, voice inputs uh, and voice control and what have you, they didn't override like the core complaint about this stuff, which Alexa has run into a million times, which is that there are so few things where you have a single workflow and a single question and that's it and you want it to go and do something for you. Yeah. The number one problem Amazon with Alexa has run into a million times is that you can't just say, I would like to buy a loaf of bread because mm. what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. There's a million different types of bread you can get and even within like white bread, there's a ton of different varieties. Yeah. Where are you getting it from? Like what's your preferences there? Yeah. And that's even for something relatively similar, simple like consumer preferences. And then as soon as you ask that and they try and clarify, you've got to hear an AI voice drone on. And it, dead on arrival. That's yeah. like an un- unsolvable problem. Mm. I was hoping maybe they had some different take on that. But the way I saw it, it was like, all right, well, this is an Alexa that has like a little screen. It's probably more capable potentially because it's LLM powered, Mm. whatever. None of it was like leaping out at me as anything remotely compelling. Yeah, I didn't really want to do any of it. It felt to me like an Apple Watch on its own kind of was like the vibe I got. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, that looks kind of handy for a couple of use cases, but... I need the phone. Yeah. You know, like I, it needs to be a peripheral to a phone. Yep. Next time, bring us some real heat or I'm out of this whole AI palaver. And also like the fact that it's a pin, like they fucked up, like they missed a trick. Glasses is the better device. I'm sorry, but like for that whole use case, glasses is a better device. Well, you, that's coming from Mr. Buddy Glasses. I don't wear glasses, mate. I'm coming from a no glasses lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me to put some on? Doesn't sit right with me. Glasses is the right place for it. A pin is not. Uh, maybe a necklace. <laughs> you do necklace? You got a diamond encrusted dollar sign with a camera in the middle of it. Maybe a weed leaf. <laughs> a weed leaf with like a camera on every frond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The wide, the close up, and the super close up. <laughs> the extreme close up. What's that? What's that on his chin? <laughs> Enhance. <laughs> uh, but this is the thing. OpenAI probably needs a piece of hardware if they're going to be an actual massive, massive consumer um, company. Yep, yep. And it's hard to do. No, it's tough to do. I couldn't do it. No, you, you I'm couldn't not, do I'm it. I'm not saying I'm, I can I'm, do I'm, it. I'm, I'm, ba- not, I'm not volunteering. I'm bowing out. Uh, good luck to them. Make, put it in some glasses. There you go. Yeah. This is my consult. That'll be a million dollars, thanks. If you're listening to this, have I got an offer for you? Mm. Imagine this, but twice a week and without any interruptions. No interruptions, no ads, two episodes a week. Yeah. Sounds pretty good to me. There is a world in which this is possible. Yep. If you go to downround.net, seven bucks a month. Seven bucks a month. That's not a week. That's seven bucks a month. Extra episode, no ads, hang out with the lads. Yep. That's me and you. Uh, you can hang out with our audience perhaps soon. Who knows? Of which the gender breakdown is different to the, the gender breakdown at the table here. Sex, <laughs> okay. That went off the rails. That was, <laughs> that was, that was, keep it short and punchy. The way we currently is. <laughs> Let's no longer talk about gender. <laughs> we can't talk about gender. All right, cool. <laughs>